Hey, box to box listeners, it's Jesse here. As I explained for the first part of this, Alex and I tried to record this one episode. We ended up splitting it into two. So this is our European preview. We chat about Spain, Germany, France, a bit of chat about Champions League as well. But if you are looking for WSL preview, we released that episode yesterday. So go back and check that out. Otherwise, enjoy the show. In Spain, um, I'm going to kick this off because I'm going to throw it to you immediately, Alex. I think the one question here, really, the most pressing question is, does anyone get anywhere near Barcelona this season? Are they finished 24 points ahead of everyone else last year? It hurts to think and it hurts to say, but I do think Real Madrid could have a very good season. You think Real Madrid are going to win the league? <laughs> I, no, shut up. <laughs> I, I no, I, I think, I think Barcelona is still at the level that, you know, they're. I mean, they, yeah, they finished. They're so far ahead that even if they drop off a level, they're still far ahead of everyone else. If that makes sense. But the team that Real Madrid have right now is a. Very... You're doing that thing where because you support a team, you're like being excessively nervous about them. No, but you look at pre like Barcelona's preseason was shit. Yeah, but they were fine. They just didn't score loads. Yeah, but it was shit. But then you have Alexia out. Mapi got injured. Sandra Paños is having blunders. You have Mariona, who just rolled her ankle last night in the Spain match, who's potentially going to be out, who was probably the most leading person to replace Alexia in the midfield. You have these injuries, rap- like, kind of, you know, you have um, Nuria came in, sprained her ankle like the first week she was at Barca she's not coming in um I think Laia Colina isn't really match fit either you have so many injury problems already and it's just a fuck Aitana's out well I mean she is suspended for the first match of the season but she's out like she's injured and it's just like it's wrapping up and the season hasn't even started yet and if this is going to go on throughout the entire season and you still have the problem of replacing Alexia in the midfield, how how is this going to go? That Alexia problem is, I think, the thing that I find kind of weirdest about Barcelona's business this summer and specifically the like pursuit of Kira Walsh, just in terms of like, I don't think Kira, like, OK, I guess maybe you're going to push Patria up and that's like, how are you going to replace it? But I just think it would have made so much more sense to go and look for a 10. A Shaki Grunin? A Shaki Grunin, like, obviously they like, put this offer in for Jill Rod, but like I think she would have been like perfect also because she's clearly obsessed with Barcelona. Slightly obsessed with Barcelona. But it just stops you having to shift your whole midfield around. Whereas I think if you bring in Kira Walsh and then push Patriot up into like the eight and Aitana into the ten, you're moving everyone out of position. Mm. Hopefully I'm gonna knock on wood this time. <laughs> that injury for Mariona last night, it was I mean, she kept on playing after she came off at halftime. It was probably a few minutes, but the way she rolled it, she put her entire weight on it. So the possibility is that it could be ligament. So she will be out for, and considering how long it took her to recover last season with certain injuries, she could be out for 
potentially a month or two if you know that's looking at the worst thing possible ideally it's a very mild sprain but the way that she was basically crying in pain after that so i think it's more ligament which is obviously unfortunate so then yeah you have you have all these problems already and i'm being very pessimistic about the rhythm that barca can pick up at the start of the season and i think that might i mean it's a long season you know obviously primera has a lot more teams than wsl so so such a crazy big league i know um so i think yeah i think barca can still win and they probably will if i'm being completely honest but when you look at real madrid i think it's also a bit of jealousy real madrid have all their players in form you know they have really good signings you know sandra toletti caroline weir in that midfield with claudia sornosa then you have Ateneo del Castillo, like, like they, their players they have are just ridiculously informed and a lot of them are young and, and really, really good. And you saw them playing against Man City and they dominated that entire match. So I think outside of Real Barça this season is going to be very intriguing. Tell us about the Real Barça Spanish national team drama as well, because I feel like this is the kind of thing, like the Spanish national team stuff is so fucked. And I do wonder if like, like whether that starts to creep into like league things too because especially with the world cup coming so soon like players will be thinking about the world cup getting into the national team whether they'll be called up but in case people don't know explain it oh boy okay <laughs> in a short space of time <laughs> in, a, in a very short space of time. okay so the other day spain captains right now with alexia out it is patri jaro sandapanos uh irene paredes and jenny hermoso um who all happen to be if we're so we're including jenny in this but they all happen to be barca players so that's already a dilemma that to begin with because it goes apart from the political of catalan club versus spain that and then real madrid versus it it gets political on that bit but there's in general barca players you know, dominate the captaincy at Spain level. So these players went up to the president, and this is Alexia included, I believe, went to the president and asked for, okay, the original headline was they asked for Jorge Villa to leave. But there was a press conference the day before yesterday, the day before yesterday, where Jorge Villa came out. First of all, the press conference started five minutes late, uh, which is relevant later in the story, you'll see. So the press conference started five minutes late. Jorge Vida came out on his own, got unlimited questions, basically played the victim for the entirety of the time. And at one point quoted, I feel very confident and I have the backing of the Federation. And for that context, he is not only the Spain manager, but he's also the technical director. So he is his own boss, essentially. And he is buddy-buddy with the president of the Spanish federation so the spanish federation is very much backing Jorge Villa. because also his dad right was yes that's like it's, it's a personal like a weird favor. it is okay. a very personal favor uh Jorge Villa has been in charge for seven years now and has won nothing so make of that what you will um then the players came out limited i think it was two questions per player obviously delayed press conference so they had to end the press conference earlier than expected when the players were answering but basically the players said that they were as bluntly as they could be i think they said that they never exclusively asked for Jorge Vida to leave. All they did was that they want change to reach the potential of the national team, which is basically at the at the heart of Jorge Vida. Um, so that goes in. So that's the entire drama of Jorge Vida. But then again, you have this Madrid-Barca rivalry in terms of 
Real Madrid Barca is, is a big rivalry to begin with, but the fact that Barca players have dominated the entirety of the national team for so long, you look at starting 11s, seven, eight players out of 11 are Barca players. You know, the entire captaincies are Barca players. So you have that bit of rivalry of Madrid players not really being in line with all of that and not being in line with Barca players and their opinions. So it seems that the dressing room is divided as well in, in a little bit. And I think the biggest tell was yesterday after the match, Esther Gonzalez came out and said, we just want to go back to normal, which is kind of the complete opposite of what most players are feeling. So it's, yeah, it's it's all of that. And then you, you, yeah, you, you start to look at the league and I think the rivalry between Real Madrid and Barca goes a bit beyond the club rivalry and it starts, you know, getting stained by that national team controversy and, and the way players are acting with each other and the way they play with each other. You, you kind of see that. But yeah, it, it's obviously just bluntly that Barca have always just been more dominant around the national team, just naturally. And Real Madrid players don't really, aren't too keen on that, to say the least, which is fair, but at the same time, it's just the history of women's football right now in Spain. Barca players are always going to be, you know, some of the best in the league. And there's no way that you're benching Alexia, Patri, Aitana, Mariona. Like, it's just not going to happen. Well, maybe it will now. Maybe. I think yesterday, actually, Spain against uh, played against Hungary. And this was... David Minayo is probably the most reliable like, Spanish journalist ever. He said that he thought that this is the team with the most Real Madrid players in it ever. Hmm. I mean, that's partly due, that's like due to injury, right? That's because like Alexia yeah. and I no, it, it and is, Mappy isn't like, available. Yeah, but like, it is a bit telling as well. But yes, that's, that's not, you can go on Twitter, it's it's everywhere. Um, It's quite entertaining looking at it from the outside. Once, once you get past the infuriating bit that the Federation doesn't care about women's football and you start enjoying it a bit more as just a drama based. Also because Alexia is like really online at the moment, which is very like amusing. Yeah. Liking random tweets and <laughs> things like that. She's clearly like bored. She's like, oh, I've done my ACL and I'm just, between flying to win awards in places, like I'm just gonna sit on Twitter, which really like, I like that because it's nice to imagine that Alexia is doing the same things with her Thursday evenings that, that I do with mine. Um, there we go. <laughs> the real the real equaliser. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think the Real Madrid, but I think Barcelona will, will easily win the league still. Um, I think Lucy Bronze and Jason Ferreira have both looked really good in preseason and I think they're really great additions. I think Lucy Bronze, as people have been sceptical, but I, I genuinely think that Lucy Bronze is going to do so well, going off of how well she did at Lyon with the overlapping with, you know, Leon have always have really good wingers. So Lucy Bronze played really well to that strength. It's the same, you know, possession-based football. And Lucy Bronze actually came out to quote to say that Barca players are just the most intelligent players she's ever played with. She's such a bum look though. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if Lucy Bronze had gone to Bayern Munich, she'd have said the same thing. Oh yeah, definitely. But she does it well. And Barca are like the perfect fan base for that kind of stuff. They oh, definitely. She 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 know she's been saying these comments for like a few weeks, knowing that she she's won over all these people, um, including myself. Um, <laughs> but no, on on a football basis, I genuinely think she's going to thrive in this system and with the players around her. And I think how old she is favors her rather than the. She's obviously still a very fit player, as we saw the Euro. She's still able to make those runs. But I think now a more smart possession-based football could probably suit her a lot so I'm very intrigued by this but let's talk let's go back to talking about Real Madrid Caroline Weir, Sani Zoletti, Naomi Feller, Claudio Sornosa all these 
Abayera. The midfield is ridiculous, but Real Madrid did finish third last year, 30 points behind Barca. Jesse, what do you think? Yeah, I think they're like I think they their squad looks really good. I think they've they've looked really good in in preseason. I like I've been impressed. Obviously, the Man City win, like I thought they were good without being exceptional, but they didn't really need to be. I think it would have been interesting to see like if City had equalized what they would have looked like under pressure because I do think they're quite a young team and you know, I think even last year right when we think back to like those games against Barcelona in the in the Champions League, especially, there were moments where they looked really good, they looked able to compete, and then there were also moments of like real naivety. And I think key for Real Madrid will be like, are those younger players, Athena, Olga, whoever, like ready to take the next step up? I think this could be a really big season for, for Misa Rodriguez as well, because as we've kind of said, Sandra Panos isn't having the best time of things, and like there is a World Cup. And it will be interesting to see if she can perform in a way that, like... I mean, again, the Spain national team is such a basket case. Like, is it even possible to... But then Panios is, like, kind of part of that Barcelona group. So maybe Misa has, does have an opportunity to take that number one shirt. So, yeah, I think uh, Naomi Feller as well is a player who looks so, She's so legit. She's been driving this entire preseason. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I think they look really good. I could definitely see them getting a win over Barcelona at some point across the season, but I also just don't know if I see them being consistent enough to actually like overhaul them. I think that's fair. I think they have I think what impresses me about Real Madrid as well is that they have a decent amount of depth. Like you're still leaving Sofia Sava, Caroline Moller on the bench with the yeah, starting that's run. crazy actually yeah, yeah so like you look at you look at madrid's bench and it is deep deep in the sense that you wouldn't have expected this from real madrid maybe a few seasons ago and the players the names that they have mostly on there is just doing really really well but yeah i think i think madrid can get this will be the closest season that madrid will get to barca because of how the players that they have and how well they're playing and we have seen them get close to Barca in the past season, but I think this season could be, yeah, you know, get the odd win in a random cup game or even during the season, maybe drop points. I think I think it, it could happen, especially if Barca have injuries and they're not playing, you know, the best 11. Um, I think it could definitely, definitely happen. Just quickly on Spain before we move on to France. Obviously, we're, to- we're talking up Real a lot, but they finished third and only just, right? So... Should we actually be talking about Sociedad, Atleti? Or you think Real was just like, they obviously changed their manager and it was just a bit of a shit show at the start of the season for them? Because it was kind of a shit show at the end of the season for them. I mean, yeah, definitely. Like they really scraped in. I know there are some conspiracy theories around that. I think Atleti are going to do better than they did last season. They obviously lost, uh, didn't get a Champions League spot because of Real Sociedad. I don't think Real Sociedad can do what they did last season again mostly because they don't have the transfer window that Atleti and Real do. They have, they have, you know, probably one of the best managers in the league, but... And they've got Amayor still. Yes, um, which does actually play on, like, she does under Jorge Villa. But just in general. Also, he played Amayor Saregi last night in, against Hungary, but doesn't play her against in the Euros. Tell me how that makes any sense. Um, I'm going to leave that <laughs> alone. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't think Real Sociedad can kind of repeat what they did last season just because I, I don't think they can compete with 
the signings of Atleti. Atleti have signed decent amount of, of players with Eva Navarro being kind of the best one, um, the most exciting one at least. And they did beat Bayern Munich in Bayern with a very interesting 11. And it's not like Bayern were playing. I mean, Bayern did dominate the entire match, but it's not like Bayern were playing kind <laughs> of... that slight asterisk. Though. Yes. You know, Linda Dahlman was playing, Cindy Lohmann was playing. A lot of, you know, Bayern starting players were playing. So there was kind of no excuse for Bayern to lose that. I think Atleti did well with their finishing. They didn't really get that many chances, but they finished what they could and they managed that. So I think that was very intriguing more than anything. I know preseason masters don't always mean anything, but I think that plays to Atleti could be kind of the wild card of getting back into the top of the the top, you know, end of the league. But again, I think Barca, Real, Madrid are going to dominate the, the season. So are we saying uh, Barca first, Real second, Atleti third? I can go for that, yeah. Okay. Let's chat France now. I think France feels very strange as a league because it doesn't really feel like PSG or Lyon have done that much this summer. Like, Lyon's only real notable signing has been Sarah de Britz. And then PSG have brought players in um obviously like martins as as we talked about lydia williams <laughs> very bizarre georgieva who i actually think like looks really good and i think that's a good good deal but yeah alex are you ready to see lika and her psg shirt no i'm still mad about it i mm, i think i'm less mad at her leaving barca than i am about her going to psg like i think her leaving barca was just a natural thing that was going to happen and where she's at at her life it was yeah I think it was always gonna happen but the fact that you go to PSG like come on I just PSG as a club is so ugly in general and then you have all the problems that are happening with the coach um and internally like it's just it's not a nice club and I just I I other than money you don't really have much of a reason to go there like it's very to say it very bluntly um which is like yeah just like very disappointing i'm disappointing that's that's how i feel about lika martins in a psg shirt yeah i think it'll be an interesting season they've obviously brought in gerard pressure as coach which is like a good appointment i think and i think there like are still the bones of a good squad there obviously katoto is like a crazy crazy mess for them especially after they persuaded her to extend the fact that she stayed is just ridiculous yeah but then to, like, do her ACL, like, it's just so annoying. But I think this is a really big season for Sandy Baltimore because I feel like she's kind of plateaued a bit. I didn't think she had a great last season. She obviously barely featured at the Euros, I mean. That was, that was, that was bizarre, but it was, I think it was fair to not have her as a starter either. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think without Katoto, like, they will really need to, like, look to her to go to the next level to kind of make up for that loss. They're also playing... Elisa Almeida in midfield, which I'm kind of into, personally, because... You liked it when, when you saw it for the first time, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think, one, this is like, surely Gayoro is going. Like, they've given the captaincy to Paulina Dudek. They're playing De Almeida in midfield. Like, they were originally doing that because Gayoro was obviously off for longer, like, from the Euros. But it feels like quite a neat fit. And I think De Almeida has, like one too many mistakes in her to actually be like a centre-back but she's got the kind of legs to like run around enthusiastically as kind of a box-to-box player okay i'm quite curious to see what the psg starting midfield is gonna be especially if gayora goes yeah 
because Gayoto was kind of the one, not the one good thing, but the one good thing in that midfield. Yeah, definitely. Leon, are you surprised they didn't, like, I can see, like, why, like, it's a good squad, but Ellie Carpenter, Kat Macario, both out long term, are you surprised we didn't see them move for people? I'm not surprised because I think Leon spent a lot last summer also. Hmm. Um, so I, it's not completely surprising that they had more of a quiet transfer window. But at the same time, yeah, Carpenter and Makari are kind of starting players that now you have to replace with kind of your, your B team, essentially. And again, a, a Leon B team is still quite quite decent. And obviously Buchanan as well. Although I guess, you know, like she was never... Yeah. That was kind of the luxury was that they could kind of play Mbok, Buchanan or... Yeah, I think Mbok and Renard are probably going to be the starting centre-backs now. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think not replacing another carpenter could potentially see the effect of it a bit more because Ellie Carpenter just fit into the squad so, so well. She is that, you know, she's a very typical Leon player of aggressive, bit bitchy, um, and, <laughs> and who can go up the pitch quite nicely. I think Ellie Carpenter is a perfect fit for Leon and the fact that they're not really replacing her does raise concerns, but at the same time, not really. Because essentially she's going to be back probably by the end on a very hopeful way, she's going to be back by the end of the year and start next year kind of coming back and playing. So essentially, she's just missing the first half of the season. Leon should be able to cruise by the group stages. Okay, not, that's, that's not say cruise because they didn't cruise last season. Um, but they should be able to get out of the group stages in the Champions League and have Elio Carpenter back for the group stages, um, which is, again, you look at Barca and it's kind of that same concept of do you just go for the first half of the, half of the season without an Alexia replacement and then just have her back for the second part of the season everything goes back to normal but no I, I think Leon are I think they're fine they're always going to be fine you think they win in France again yeah do you think they win the Champions League no mm-hmm. <laughs> no okay okay cool let's get to Germany I think here it feels hard to look past Wolfsburg for the title they like already were Le cooking Brand. You're a brand in the Wolfinen. Yeah, they were already clicking last year to add like Mola Fromms, Jule Brands, etc., etc. Like they're obviously going to be even better, I think, just in terms of having that additional depth. I do worry a bit for Brand that I don't see how she plays in this team that much. But I guess at some point you have to you have to make that move. It just feels like they're already stacked with like pacey exciting wingers when you're talking about like John Stottir, Vazmov, Svenju who obviously had like an amazing Euros, Alex Pop had an amazing Euros, like I don't know how that, don't really know how that works but it feels like they've just got a massive head start on Bayern having had Tommy Stroot in position for a year and Bayern then having to replace their manager. I think yeah Wolfsburg, I think that's quite easy, Wolfsburg are definitely gonna win. Bayern are not gonna, I wouldn't say not get close to them but I think Wolfsburg are just miles ahead of Bayern right now at where they are I think Bayern need another year because they've got the players I just think like it's a bit like we saw with Wolfsburg last year they weren't very good realistically for the first three months still managed to Chelsea. <laughs> well, but that's the thing they were very good right by December yeah they were like a totally different team compared to when we played them at Kings Meadow yeah that's true you're very excited about uh, Emily Laurel I am Bayern. I think she's a great player I just don't, obviously, coming from Leon, it was that crowded squad that you were never going to get into the, you were never going to break into the first team if you didn't already, basically. Um, and I think she did the right move to leave. 
I think we obviously haven't seen her that much because again, she played for Leon and you, she didn't really play that much. But when you, she did go on the pitch, it was very exciting to watch. And I think the tempo and the physicality of the Bundesliga is going to suit her really well. And yeah, I, I'm just excited. Like I can't, I don't, I haven't seen her play enough to be able to give you a full breakdown as to what she's going to do and how she's going to fit into Bayern Munich. But she's just she's a young player and she has grown up playing for Leon so she has a very good football intelligence in the sense that she can make the run she is a very smart player and on top of that she is a very like physical and strong player as well so I think in the Bundesliga she will do well but yeah Bayern Munich in general obviously Georgia Stanway I think was a really good signing and the fact that she's loving it so far can obviously affect that performance on the pitch in a very positive way so I am quite excited now that I see how much she's enjoying it I am very excited to see her I think her and Lena Magul is amazing midfield yes putting all my feelings for Georgia Stanway aside I think a Georgia Stanway who really enjoys her football is a very exciting prospect I think she's gonna turn into a completely different player than what she was and she's so young still like it's so easy to forget because she's played so many games for Man City for England like there is so like we we're still like three or four years off her like really being at her peak, and I think the opportunity to like learn from someone older like Magul as well is like a really great development opportunity for her too. I think that's what she's always needed, which is why I'm kind of happy she left Man City because she just needed to develop a bit further in terms of yes football development, but I think she has the football abilities already. I think it's more just discipline on very aspects of her game, just a bit more calm down, play the game, focus on your football. Again, you know, very maybe a little bit of the attitude discipline as well, but I think just discipline in general. And I mean, Germany is a very disciplined country. And I think, you know, when you look at her play for England, you see, because everyone was worried about this for England, right? But Wiegmann's system is a very disciplined system, whereas we know that cities is quite... Chaotic. <laughs> I was going to say free to be polite, but, you know, like broadly, I guess... You don't think of Gareth Taylor as being like incredibly like prescriptive about how he wants his players to play. And I think consequently, that's why you see Georgia Stanway kind of losing it a bit because she was often having to cover super large amounts of ground because like the spaces weren't there. And, and that's how you end up making those errors. Whereas in an England team where she's playing in a very kind of fixed double pivot with Kira Walsh, she was a lot more controlled, I think, in her decision making. Yeah, I, I am really excited to see Bayern. I think Bayern are still going to do well, just not better than Wolfsburg, basically. But elsewhere in Germany, looking back at the Euros also, uh, Anyomi did really well for Germany when she came on. Um, and I am really sad that Frankfurt didn't make it past the Champions League. I'm not because I'm Team IX, but <sighs> yeah. I really I really wanted to see Frankfurt in the group stages. Yeah, I think they're a really interesting team. I like I didn't watch much of them last season and I'm like looking forward to getting to watch a bit more of them hopefully this year. Um because I mean obviously like Froms will be a big loss for them. Um but they like they do they did look good in those Ajax games. I mean like look, they they lost to a ridiculous overhead kick in the, in the last minute of the game. So I think they are obviously a talented team, but I've got to be back in my hoffs again. You're going to back them again? Well, I've got to. They're my girls. I mean, it's so funny for them because obviously it feels like every season they like sell their best players and then get a load of new, young, exciting ones. But um, I was obsessed with Julia Hickelsberger-Fuller during the Euros and I'm really excited to see her play for them. 
Paulina Crombiegel did her ACL, but she's back, obviously having missed all of last season. And to be honest, like, before she did her ACL, like, I felt like she was close to or comparable to Eula Brand. It's just everyone's forgotten about her for a year. So it's just a case of, like, how quickly can they put it together, I think. How quickly can they put it together? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But they'll be fun to watch, I think, regardless. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be... Because obviously Frankfurt and Hoffenheim kind of made the league very entertaining last season outside of Wolfsburg and, and Bayern, which is always going to be the competition. But the fact that it's that what we were talking about in the WSL, it's like those fourth, fifth place teams that are starting to get better and start pushing the top teams. Cause you know, there is a, there is a few draws. There is a lot of those games aren't foregone conclusions. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think, yeah, Bundesliga should be good, but I think we answered the question of who's going to win the Bundesliga this year. Yeah, I think it will be Wolfsburg. Can they win everything, though? What, as in the Champions League as well? Mm-hmm. I think they could win the Champions League. Um, I think, again, like it depends on who they come across at what points and what that looks like. I've made no secret of the fact that I would love a Chelsea-Wolfsburg. No, you have to see your entire Chelsea plan. I want us to beat Barcelona in the semi-finals at the Camp Nou. And then I want us to beat Wolfsburg in the final. I just think a Chelsea Wolfsburg final is also what like the Champions League demands at some point. Like it's it's basically one of the best like historical rivalries within women's football. It is. And I just think a final would be like incredible. Would you be ready to lose that final though? Well, no, obviously I would be gutted. But I just think, like, it would be... Because I think, you know, when also within the women's game, as we've seen bigger clubs and the more traditional clubs put more money into it, you kind of get the rivalries that, like, mirror the men's one, right? Like, even the fact that today we were just talking about, like, Barcelona and Real Madrid. But, like, three years ago that just, like, wasn't a thing. Yeah. And... I think it's amazing that like Wolfsburg do keep up. Like they obviously like have money, but like it's it's very different to like a Chelsea or a PSG or or whatever. And I just think like that Ch- the Chelsea Wolfsburg rivalry is like fantastic in the fact that it is totally unique to the women's game. And I feel like we don't have enough of that. It is true. Yeah, that rivalry is kind of very specific. And then yeah, obviously in Spain it's the big argument that Barça Atleti is always going to be the Clásico because of the history. But then yeah, I think it is fun that we're starting to get more rivalries in the women's game it just makes everything so much more entertaining because now you have also Barca versus Germans in general (laughs) which is quite fun but again yeah so let's this eases into the Champions League so round two qualifiers Man City are out obviously because Real Madrid kicked them out yes Ajax knocked out Eintracht Frankfurt uh, with that last minute overhead kick and now we go into the qualifiers round two where Arsenal PSG Real Sociedad uh, Bayern Munich come into play I think it's safe to say that we have the group stage lined up already considering how these fixtures went Arsenal Ajax is probably the most entertaining one in terms of Sociedad Bayern I'm picking out I mean, I'm excited for Arsenal Ajax, but... I think Ajax can probably run Arsenal closer because of the style of play. Do you think? Yeah. I think Bayern can probably win Sociedad. Not like a high scoring, but I think they could probably win that comfortably. Especially over two legs. Yeah. I just need to shout out Oli Harder, who's managing Bran, who are playing Rosengard. Oli, I'm supporting you. I'm team Oli Harder to win 
the 2023 Champions League. If it's not going to be Chelsea, I want it to be Oli and Bran. So I'll be keeping an eye on eye on that one as well. I think Rangers Benfica could be interesting as well. Yeah, it would be great to see a Scottish team in the Champions League group stage. That would be very, very cool. I think that would be good. But yeah, just in, in general, I think it's quite, especially the league path, I think it's quite obvious. Um, Sparta Prague Roma could be interesting to see if Roma can actually push through because obviously Sparta Prague have a decent Champions League experience. But yeah, PSG hacking style play could be interesting to watch, but I think PSG should be able to wrap that up. Real Madrid Rosenberg could be interesting, but I think Real Madrid, I think, be I think they'll be fine. But yeah, there's uh, Jesse, this is a question that you really liked that we got from one of our listeners. Mid 2022 Ballon d'Or. I think that's a big campaign, I think, for a lot of our listen- listeners right now. But at Ducks on Quack 9, if every club did a 4 by 100 meter relay, what would be the medal positions? I'm obsessed with this question. I think this is so funny. So I think, I do think PSG might be first here. I feel like Ashley Lawrence, Sandy Baltimore, Kachawi. These are all players who I think could contribute well to to a relay. But Wolfsburg would be pipping them close. I just don't know if... You'd have to put John's dot here on the last leg, I think, of the relay. Who, who would you put? Villebrand, Jonas Adir. Vazmouf, maybe. Lena Oberdorf could, like, push someone out, <laughs> out of their leg. No, no, you put Lena Oberdorf on the side to trip someone. Yeah. Um, I think they could be good. Real Madrid, obviously, with Athena. Athena Feller, Olga. That could be a, a tough one to compete with. I don't think, I don't, oh, I guess maybe City. Hemp, Kelly, Mary Fowler, she's quite quick. Hayley Rasso as well. They've got quite a lot of... Who's City's right back? Why can't I think of City's right back? Uh, it's Casparay and Esme Morgan. I haven't seen Casparay run. <laughs> so I can't, I can't comment on that. Um, but I would be in favour of this happening around the ground before the Champions League final. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna back PSG, but I think Wolfsburg, City and Real Madrid would all be fighting for the medal positions. I think this should be a thing in preseason. Yeah, absolutely. Well they used to do it, didn't they? Like they used to have like men's players would do like a hundred meter race. Don't they do it like in the NFL as well still? Oh. You're American. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, just a couple of more quick fire questions. Laura Dennison at Des Lennis, friggin' obsessed with that at Alex, who has had the most successful transfer window and who may become this season's Everton? Loads of decent looking signings, but a total flop. In the WSL, that's a really hard question, actually. I think overall, Man United might be the most sound answer in terms of who they've brought in and who they've secured. Because obviously Arsenal have signed a keeper and a striker, which was more of a, yeah, a want rather than a need. Chelsea obviously still haven't replaced that midfield and you're kind of pushing Magda Eriksson at left back, which is, I just, I still can't wrap my head around it. In the WSL, I think, yeah, I think Man United have been the most sound to what they actually need in the style of play. Over on Europe, Ramo Jid is stuck in my head and it's really annoying me. No, I think that's a good shout. I think they've strengthened in really good positions. Yeah, I think Real Madrid, I think Chelsea have had a very good transfer window, to be honest. Um, I think there are still questions, but I think broadly it's been it's been better than last year, at least. The Everton, this isn't Everton, I do worry it's City, because I think they've made a lot of decent signings, but I think they could all be total flops. It just, the system just doesn't make sense. Like, it's such a 
random group of players that you're signing with no particular kind of plan to make them fit into one team. Yeah. Okay, and final question. This is in terms of individuals rather than teams from Lynn at Footy Defender 99. Who will be the biggest surprise as a new signing and who do you think might be a flop? Everyone loves the word flop. I know. It is quite fun to say, to be honest. I think Eve Perisic can impress in WSL quite a lot. Mm. You know, watching France in the Euros wasn't really that attractive. Um, so I, I'm assuming a lot of people didn't really see her in action that much. But I think if Perisic can be that player who she impresses everyone, if you don't really know who she is, and a flop. I think some of the City players. But the thing is that I think the thing with the City players is that no one really has many expectations for them. I think biggest surprise... Wait, I'm gonna. I think the biggest flop, and you'll like this, is I think Lika Martins is gonna flop a PSG. Yes. So I'm gonna go with that. I think biggest surprise in a positive sense, maybe yeah, Lucy Bronze at Barcelona, because I just think lots of people were kind of like down on it, but I think obviously, I think what's interesting is you know Lucy Bronze always said that all she wanted left from her career was to win something with England. And now she's won something with England. And I wonder if that'll be quite freeing for her as well, to, like, know that she, like, she's won it all. I'm sure now she's like, no, actually, I want to win a World Cup with England. But, like, she basically has won it all. I mean, she's living she's living her best life. Like, she, she won something with... She's won the Champions League, obviously. She won the Euros with England. And now she gets to play for one of the best clubs in Europe because why not? And I just think that's going to kind of allow her to... I think it's going to go well regardless. It's going to go so well. And I'm very excited. And Jesse's probably going to buy themselves a Lucy Bronze bar second. No, I'm absolutely not. Yes, I'm you are. absolutely not. <laughs> I would rather be seen dead than in, seen in a modern Barcelona kit. In the modern... <laughs> nice wording. Caveat. <laughs> yeah, so that concludes our preview. It's I keep wanting to say WSL because of last season. But I have to refrain from that because obviously we're not box box WSL anymore. But yes, that concludes our season preview ahead of the opening weekend, which Jesse is very rudely not going to be here for. So I will look to get somewhere else unless everyone wants to just listen to my voice for an hour <laughs> talking to myself. I personally will vote for that. I would listen to just you talking to yourself for an hour. Mm. I'll like I'll put a mirror in front of me so I'm like talking <laughs> to someone. No, but we will be, I will be back next Monday uh, to discuss the opening round of fixtures of DWSL to be confirmed with who. But yeah, we'll figure that out. And Jesse's going to California for 10 days. Yeah. And the opening weekend of the WSL, which I think is very poor planning. It was poor planning. I thought it was going to start a week later than it did. They took ages to announce it. So it is what it is. It is TBC whether I will be getting up at half four in the morning to watch Chelsea. I haven't decided yet. That might be a decision on the day. (laughs) Depending on how you feel. Depending on how I feel. That's fair. But yes, we will wrap this up now and we will be back next Monday for another kind of roundup of the weekend. Well, not many things have started at the same time, but yeah, we'll see. Um, But yeah, see you next Monday and thank you for listening.